glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Devin Neal. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 20. It says, But ye have not so learned Christ, if so be that ye have heard him, and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Thank you. You may be seated. And we again, we focused on verse 25 last week. And really focused on the subject of lying, how serious God takes lying. And we see that lying is a part of the old nature. I want you to think about how a sinful man thinks about lying. Lying, as I said, I believe last week, a tremendous tool in the handbag of success in human living. Uh, If you want to go forward, you want to climb ladders, you want to go places, you're going to need to use lying. You're going to need to use lying to stay out of trouble. You may need to use lying to get other people into trouble. Um, you may need to use various kinds of lying. We can use flattery, for instance. That's a lie. Uh, When you tell somebody something nice about them that you don't really think, but you want them to think you think it so they'll like you and you can get an advantage over them. You may use the, 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 the lie of slander. Say something or at least suggest something about someone else to destroy their character to get yourself ahead of them. These are all parts of the old man, and we justify in our rationale every one of the things I just mentioned. Flat-out lying, white lies, which there is no such thing. There's no white lie. Uh, Someone said a a half-truth is a whole lie, and that's absolutely the case. And so what God makes very clear is that lying is part of the old life, and that's where we ended last week. It's not part of the new man, and therefore any thinking or thought process that justifies Being deceitful in my mind needs to go. I need to have a renewed mind, one that does not justify deceit, but one that repents of deceit and says it is not to have any place, any place in my life. We're to put it off. And so then he says, in contrast, wherefore putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Now, I don't want us to oversimplify the message tonight, though it is very simple as really much of God's Word is. As much as we're not supposed to lie, we're supposed to speak the truth. And I believe this second part of this message is needful because uh, just deciding, okay, I believe that lying is sinful, is not enough. God didn't just say, lie not. That's what it says in Colossians chapter 3. Lie not one to another, seeing ye've put off the old man with his deeds. So it is good to, to, and that's the first point of our message tonight, if we're going to be people whose mouths are filled with truth and speak the truth, there must be a prohibition of lying. Uh, You'll never be consistent and faithful in telling the truth until you've made a decision of faith, I will not lie. I will not use God's tongue to tell lies. It is His tongue, by the way. It's not ours. Our tongue belongs to Him. It's one of those members He bought when He saved us. Why He would want it, I don't know. But He did. He bought it. Part of the package deal. He does want it because, you know what? Our mouths are supposed to be the audio for God. It is our mouths that speak His truth. 
And so I started to say it is needful, and again, first point of the message tonight, if we're going to have a tongue of truth, we must have a prohibition in our conviction against lying. You have to develop a conviction that your tongue being used to tell a lie is wrong 100% of the time, and that's the starting point. But if we're not careful, for some, that may be the ending point. But that's not good enough because God says, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. I not only want you to not lie, I want you to use your tongue to tell the truth. Someone said, well, of course, that's obvious. But I want us to take the Bible, and God wants us to take the Bible and plug it into life. How many times are we challenged, we're asked our opinion on something, and we know what God says about it? And we think, I know the truth on this, but I'd rather not say. I'm not going to lie, but I'm not going to speak the truth either. And may I say, this is probably right where we live here tonight. It's so, so tempting as Christians to try to find the middle ground. Where is that middle ground where I'm not any longer living the old life, but I'm not whole hog, for lack of a better term, in the new life? You know, God doesn't really, he doesn't have that as an option. He doesn't say, lie not one to another and stop. He says, but speak the truth. I'll give you an illustration. It's a little bit humorous, but it's a good illustration. So, fellas, your wife comes to you, and she has a new hairstyle. She says, honey, do you like it? And in your mind, you think, I don't like it. But I do like eating, so I'm going to tell you I do like it. I enjoy you fixing my food. And so I'll just, you know, I I don't want to lie and say yes, but I don't want to say no and upset you. And so we get very clever in how we answer the question. What the, I, I'll be honest with you, it's very wise at that point to say, I plead the Fifth Amendment. I, but even when you do that, you're in trouble, right? Because you, there's only one answer that's right. It looks great. That's the only right answer. Now, I'm not preaching on how you answer your wife about your hair, other than we always need to be truthful nonetheless. But how many of you know real life gives us circumstances where telling the truth becomes real inconvenient at times? So you go and you start talking to somebody and they find out you're a church-going person. They, oh, what kind of church do you go to? I hope it's not one of those Bible-thumping churches. I hope your preacher's not one of those hellfire and brimstone preachers. I hope you're not one of those people that's so narrow-minded to believe that you can just trust every word in the Bible. Maybe something a lot more practical like something in the workplace and there's a division among the employers, uh, employees about how certain issues should be handled a handful of people over here think it should be handled honestly and ethically, but the rest of them here said, you know what? If we handle the situation honestly, we're going to lose so much money, we might go belly up. And I hope you're not over here with this crowd that wants us to go out of business. I'm trying to make this message very applicable tonight because it's where we live. We can read this and think, right, very simple. Stop lying, tell the truth. But you and I both know telling the truth has consequences. That's why we lie. We lie to spare ourselves trouble. We lie to get ourselves out of pinches. We start it when we're this big. We know if I tell the truth about what I really did, I am in hot water. So all I know to do is to lie. May I say this? You've heard this statement before. Silence is golden. Well, you know this. Silence is golden. Sometimes it's yellow. Sometimes by not declaring the truth, we're lying. Silence sometimes is a lie in itself. And so I want to just deal with a few minutes here 
on how important it is that we not only refuse to lie, but that we have a purpose of heart and a fulfillment of telling the truth. I believe this, if we have to live a life that we're ashamed to tell that we, uh, you know, to, to tell what we believe, we've got problems anyway. If, if we are, if we are so, so unsettled on what is true, that's, that's problematic. But often Christians know what is true, but don't declare it. I wonder how many, how much better we would do at admonishing one another and sharpening one another and strengthening one another if we would not just go along, but at times when a truth needs to be spoken, pipe up and say it. Instead of going along and acting like we're okay with something when we know it's not right, when we know that the Word of God is in conflict, to say, you know, I, I just agree with what God says. I'm going to speak the truth here. Someone says, you know, I just don't see the importance of some instruction in the Bible. And often what we'll do to spare conflict, and I, we don't need to be people of conflict, we don't need to be contentious people, but if I have to, to muffle the truth in order to spare conflict, that's a problem. Somebody then is then spreading darkness. Someone who doesn't want to hear the truth about what God says is the way of salvation or what God says is the right way for Christians to live. I find this. When I get around other Christians who are just interested in living for God, nothing I share about my convictions or or desire to serve the Lord offends them. That only offends people who are already muffling the truth in their own life. And then they want us to muffle the truth with them. So my point here tonight, and trying to drive home what I believe is the heart of this message tonight, is when the Bible says, wherefore putting away lying, speak the truth, speak every man truth with his neighbor, that's what he means. He wants us to not only have a prohibition of lying, but a proclamation of truth. So our first point tonight is there must be. If we're going to be truth tellers, people whose mouth is speaking the truth, you cannot tell a truth and a lie at the same time. That's impossible. So there must come the point, this picks up on last week's message, where because we know we've been saved, because we know that we were saved from a life lived according to our lust, a life of self-preservation, a life of self-promotion. By the way, most lies come for those two things, self-promotion and self-preservation. I'm going to lead you to believe something about me that is not true so that you think more highly of me than the truth would allow you to. Uh, if you found it out, it might cost me some position. It might cost me my reputation. So I've got to lie in some fashion to project something that's not true. And then lies come out or perhaps we're covering something over. It can be a host of reasons why we lie. But for the Christian, that way of living is done. Someone says, but if, you may be sitting here tonight. I mean, this is, very, this, is, this is because this is practical. This is Christian living. This is where we have to learn to live God's way. You may have some facet of your life. You say, but if I got truthful about that, ah, principles are principles. At some point in time, we've got to have faith and say, but I refuse to lie. I may have made a decision. My lips are not going to be used to tell lies. I am not going to say things that cause people to believe something that is not true. That's what a lie is. So then, again, Ephesians 4.25, wherefore, putting away lying. That's where we get the point. There must be a prohibition of lying. Again, Colossians 3.9, we must recognize that lying is a sin. It's part of the old life. It says, lie not one to another, seeing ye have put off the old man with his deeds. Know this, if there are still seasons and portions and aspects of my life 
where I am using my tongue to deceive, that is still the old man on me. And God says, I want it off. There must be a prohibition. Every child of God should have a conviction against lying because it's a sin. So there must be a recognition, of course, that lying is sin. So we looked at last week. And there must be then a decision of the heart that says, I refuse to engage in that sin. I'm a new creature. I was a liar. Now I'm a truth teller. I'm not going to use my lips to lie. I'm going to tell you something. That decision alone will transform your life. I believe I said that last week. But instead of saying, I will... I mean, have ever said something like this? You just... And, and by the way, I believe the longer you live, the longer you're saved, the more you realize how deceitful we really are and how often we use our tongues to make people believe something that's not true. And we may not think we're like that, but I believe there's probably a lot more deceit in our lives than we want to recognize or realize. And we need to let the Lord show us the areas where we are dropping a comment here or making a statement there to lead or mislead someone. And so I'm not, I, don't, I don't believe God ever wants us to strain at gnats, but lying is not a gnat. It's a camel. Amen? We saw last week, lying lips are an abomination to God. And so there must be, first and foremost, if our lips are going to be lips of truth, our tongues, tongues of truth, there must be a prohibition, a conviction against lying. But as has been stated already, that's not enough. There must be a proclamation of the truth. We must not only purpose in our hearts, I'm not going to use my tongue and lips to tell lies. I am purposed also on the positive side. When given the opportunity to speak the truth, I will. I've said this. It is our nature. I said our. I learned this from my own nature. To be silent when I ought to speak and speak when I ought to shut up. That's my nature. Yours may not be that way. But often, here we have somebody that should be hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we'll think something like this. I wouldn't want to upset them. Wouldn't want to offend them. I wouldn't want to rock the boat. I wouldn't want to, you know, get in trouble with my employer. I understand there are some people that use the gospel to waste time on the job. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when we have opportunity to give the gospel to somebody and we sit there and seal up. And then there's other times when some issue comes up that it wouldn't matter if we ever said anything about it. Boy, we're ready to chime in. And just you know, let, let our words be known. And when it comes to this matter of truth-telling, the Bible says, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. If you go through the Bible, there are times that you find someone, the Bible says, and he opened his mouth. One of those that comes to my mind is Acts chapter 8. And you have Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. And uh, Philip comes up into the chariot with the eunuch. And he says, Understandest thou what thou readest? great way, by the way, to start witnessing to somebody. Ask them a question. Do you understand what you're reading? You have a Bible? I do. Do you understand it? And if they say no, say, well, good, because I do, and I can help you with that. Amen. Understand is that what thou readest? And he says, how can I accept some man should guide me? And he says, who's this man speaking of, himself or some other? And he quoted from Isaiah 53, and the Bible says, Philip opened his mouth and preached unto him Jesus. For you and I, the Bible tells us that we're to let our light so shine before men uh, that they may glorify our Father. Uh, uh, let, let your light shine before men. They may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. There are times when you and I have a responsibility to open our mouth. There's times when the Bible is under assault and attack and you and I know the truth about it. I'll be honest with you, as a preacher, I probably get put in this position more than some of you because that's just, that's what my life is. It's about the Bible. Sometimes people want to bring up the Bible and they start saying things about, 
I'll give you a good example. Someone says to me, and I have this happen on a regular basis, well, all the Bible versions are basically the same. Now, I've got to make a decision right there. I know the truth. That's not true. Now, I don't want to start a fight, have no desire to start a fight. But I don't want them to walk away from there believing the lie that all the Bibles are the same. Somebody else say something like this. Man said something very similar to this today. Well, you know, all religions basically, you know, are, are, have the same idea, the same goal. <laughs> no, that's not true. <laughs> and what we might say is, well, I want to be kind. Then be sure and always speak the truth. Let me ask you this. If somebody said to you in your workplace, well, I respect all religions because all religions ultimately are about trying to please God. And you made the decision to say nothing in response. Have you lied? You have helped facilitate one, or I, at the very least. The Bible says, wherefore putting away lying, speak. First word is what? Speak. Every man truth with his neighbor. This is a tremendous time for us to say, who then is my neighbor? (laughs) My neighbor is the other guy. Is it not? And, of course, he's speaking the context of the church because then he goes on to say, for we are members one of another, but it's not to the exclusion of the lost. So there must be a proclamation of truth. May I say, first of all, we must speak the truth to ourselves. We'll never learn to speak the truth to another if we won't speak the truth to ourselves. You say, is that Bible? Absolutely. Go to Psalm 15. Psalm 15. The question is posed in verse 1. Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? So he's talking about fellowship with God. Who's going to be in the the nearness to God in his holy hill? He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh the truth where? In his heart. Please don't miss this point tonight. We will never learn to speak the truth consistently, faithfully, and boldly to others if every time we're confronted with the truth, we find a way around it in our heart. The Bible says, but be you doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. There is a number of warnings in the scripture about not deceiving ourselves. And it is vital that the first person we speak the truth to is in our own heart that we must be willing to accept, and it's really taking the word of God and receiving that in our own heart because God's word is always true. What happens all too often, I so desire with God's help to be practical in this message tonight, God begins to take his word and measure it against our lives and reveal things that he's trying to correct because the Bible is given for doctrine, for reproof, to convince us fully and clearly of error in our lives. Doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness. And God begins to, through the, through the preaching of God's word, through our personal time in his word, he brings to light things in our character, our conduct, our thought life that is not pleasing to him and he wants to change it. And we immediately start setting up the defenses why that's probably not true. We must speak the truth in our hearts. And so then he says, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth, with his neighbor, but then Psalm 15 says, you're going to abide in the hill of God. You must speak the truth in 
your heart. Then we must not only speak the truth inwardly and accept the truth in our own heart, if we're going to be faithful to the truth, but we also, of course, in the context of our message tonight, we must speak the truth to others. We must speak the truth to fellow saints. God's people need to hear the truth. By the way, Jesus said, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. If we give what God says, we know we're saying what's true. And any concept, idea, philosophy, or imagination that is in conflict with God's word is not true. And so then Ephesians chapter 4. So we have the word of God to measure. Is what I'm thinking true or false? We, we have a clear means and mode of definition. We have the spirit of God, John 16, 13, to guide us into all truth. Remember, God loves justice and judgment. What that is, taking what I know, taking the things I know, comparing them to each other to come to a conclusion about what is true. God wants us to use our minds. Come, he says, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. And then through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, he shows us how he will make us white as snow. He reasons with us, saying, this is the truth about your condition. This is the truth about my character. And God continues to deal with us. He wants us to take terms in his word, the Bible, and lay it against our lives and say, is what I'm doing equivalent with what he says here? All right, let me, let me just let me move forward and try to help us just a little bit before we move on to speaking the truth to one another because here's what will happen. God begins to deal with my life. Let's say I have another pastor friend and he is doing his work and all of a sudden we're doing the same work, but all of a sudden his church starts going by leaps and bounds. People getting saved, added to the church. Man, they've got to expand a little bit because they don't have room to seat everybody. Boy, immediately I thought he's made a compromise somewhere because if he didn't, he wouldn't be growing like that. And all of a sudden I hear a message on envy. And I think, well, no, I'm not envious. I just want to preserve the truth. I don't want anybody to see anybody compromise, you know. And I read my Bible and that theme of envy pops up again. And I start thinking, well, I hope he has some things happen to him like have happened to me. And he'll probably have a church split pretty soon. And deep inside I kind of thinking, I wish he would. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The pastor. You betcha you, you think the same way I do. That's called sin. Huh? And God's trying to show me you want ill to happen to him because it makes you look bad and that hurts your pride. And if I'm not careful, I'll sit there and convince myself that he's done something wrong and I'm no one doing anything right. Now, if he's compromised to grow a church, he shouldn't do that. But you understand what I'm saying. I use I pick on me as an example. Maybe you've got some aspect of your life and there's maybe God's beginning to try to show you there's bitterness in your heart and you think, no, I'm not bitter. I mean, I can't stand to hear that person's name brought up, but I'm not bitter. I see this happen more times than I would like to, like to acknowledge as so. What I have is not bitterness. I am just zealous for the truth. I just want to see people do right. But don't bring that person's name up or I'll cringe all over. What happened is when I'm speaking, how am I going to, here's where we're trying to go with, how am I going to get the moat out of my brother's eye if I won't be truthful about the beam in my own? Now, we have a responsibility to speak the truth to each other. But I want to go to Psalm 15 first. We must speak the truth in our heart first. Our judgment must be just. Right is right. Wrong is wrong. There is no face to it. There's no name or personality. Stealing is stealing. If I steal, it's wrong. If you steal, it's wrong. 
Lying is lying. If I lie, it's wrong. If you lie, it's wrong. We need to be able to be truthful about those things. That way God has the ability to correct us. That way we can speak the truth to others. And the Bible tells us how we're supposed to speak the truth. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 15 says, but speaking, he's talking especially about uh, the speaking gifts of apostle and prophet, evangelist, pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, the work of the ministry, that's verse 12, the edifying of the body of Christ. And verse 13, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love. Who are we talking about speaking the truth in love to here? Especially the brethren. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. I remember a, a time in my life, someone very, very dear and precious to me, and they had some things that they thought and some attitudes they would regularly express. And I know there came a time, this has been years ago, there came a time where I thought, and I had a responsibility in their life. I wasn't just a, a friend. God had given me a responsibility. And I remember thinking, do when, when the next time this comes up, what I would do is I would sympathize with the attitude that would be expressed. Knowing in my mind that is an attitude that's sinful. I knew it. And so it would come up and the attitude would be expressed and I would go along. Finally, the Spirit of God dealt with me and said, you're not speaking the truth. You're acting like you agree with the attitude that's being expressed and you know that the attitude being expressed is sinful. I thought, but if I say that, that's going to go over like a lead balloon. And finally, God showed me I was withholding the truth, not because I loved that person, but because I loved me. I did not want the difficulty of the confrontation. I didn't want to have to deal with it, even though it was my responsibility. Some people, it's not our responsibility, but this one was. And finally, I thought, if I'm going to be right with God, I've got to say the truth. So one day, something was expressed, and I said, that's, that's not right. I'll say this. That decision to speak the truth to that loved one began a process of a few years, at least months, but I think over a year, of dealing with some of those root issues. And this person loved the truth so much, they accepted the truth against themselves, got things right with the Lord. Not only did it help them, it helped me, it helped them, helped our relationship, and God was trying to teach me a lesson. Sometimes you are being deceitful by withholding the truth. We must put away lying, but we must speak every man truth with his neighbor because we're members one of another. Do you know what Christians grow on? Do you know what strengthens your soul? What is your faith built on? Truth. And if we're constantly withholding the truth from one another, we're not helping each other. What often happen often, we'll withhold the truth in order to save face or to preserve comfort or whatever it may be, and we're to speak the truth to the saints in what? Speaking the truth in love. Love has to do with my motive. I'm going to tell you the truth because I care enough about you. I don't want you to continue on believing the lie you're believing. I want to tell you the truth. And it may not be somebody needs to be repentance. It, it, it may just be somebody that doesn't have knowledge or information. You may have a baby Christian that just doesn't know something. Sometimes you'll tell somebody that, that believes something, you say, but you know, I'll give you an example in the Bible, Apollos. Apollos was preaching what he knew sincerely, but he was sincerely wrong. 
and Aquila and Priscilla pulling him aside and showed him the way of God more perfectly, you know what they should have done? He was sincere. They shouldn't have bothered that poor man. Those judgmental people, why didn't they just leave him be? Because what he had wasn't completely right, and he's preaching and teaching something that was not the full truth. There was the gospel where people could have assurance of their salvation. All he's preaching is repentance. And they said, no, 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 no. There's more to it than that. Christ is living. He raised from the dead and he has given us his Holy Spirit. And they showed him the way of God more perfectly. He didn't have anything to repent of. He just needed some education. We need to speak the truth. We are in a culture that, 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 that glorifies the way people feel over the way people believe. As long as you feel good about what you believe, it doesn't matter whether it's true or not. And that mentality has crept into the house of God. Now listen, you can't make somebody believe the truth, but if you know it, you can at least know that they know it. <laughs> Amen. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks if you a reason the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. God expects us to tell the truth, to speak the truth, not only when we have to, but when we should, and so putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. Let me give you another example in Scripture, Acts chapter 20. I guess what I'm driving at is, is it, is it wrong of us to withhold the truth specifically? And I could preach this hard at myself. As preachers and teachers, is it wrong to withhold certain truths from God's people? I believe from mature Christians to baby Christians, you know a truth and another Christian doesn't. Is it wrong to keep back truth that you know? And by the way, Acts 20 tells you the tension that is in place for the communicator of the truth to those who are being communicated to, the tension and the pressure there is to withhold truth because once you say it, it can cost you. Acts chapter 20, Paul is speaking to the Ephesians when he says this in verse, uh, uh, verse let me see where I want to begin here. Look at verse 19. Serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you. Now what did he say? I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now... Behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy in the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify uh, the gospel of the grace of God. Now, behold, I know that ye all among whom I have gone, preaching the kingdom of God, shall see my face no more. Listen to what he says. Wherefore, I take you to record this day, that I am pure from the blood of all men. Verse 27. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. That's beyond the gospel of our salvation. The counsel of God is God's wisdom for living our lives. And Paul said, I have not shunned. There wasn't counsel from God that I said, I ain't telling them that. I'm going to tell you something. There's some counsel from God in the pages of this book that don't fly well in 21st century American Christianity. We still have responsibility to tell it. Well, if I do, my kids will have nothing to do with me. If I tell the truth about the things, they've got ideas that are in contrast to the Bible, but if I speak up and say it's what God says, and it'll divide our family. It'll break off a friendship. I'll lose 
uh, friends at work. I might even lose this or that. How many of us believe this? Can I use this as an illustration? There's so much confusion out there about COVID. Why would that be? There's one thing not confusing. It's a, it is a very uh, difficult sickness. But how, why is there so much confusion about what to believe and who to believe? Number one, there's been provable lies told on right wing, left wing, and everywhere in between. What happens is there are those who are willing to lie to cover something wrong done. I feel pretty confident some of the deceit that's been put forward is so that we won't know how serious some of the things done have been. I can't prove that. There are certain things that have been proven to work and the medical research has been done, but doctors aren't allowed to say it. There are some doctors right now, they're not lying, but they're not allowed to say the truth. It's called censorship. Now, I'm not preaching on COVID. You think what you want to and need to. But I use that as an example that there are certain truths that are so indicting on those who tell lies that there is a pressure put on us. Don't preach that truth. Don't tell that truth. Don't communicate that truth. There are ideas that have become culturally acceptable among God's people. I'm going to tell you something. It is becoming taboo. Taboo for a a New Testament gospel-believing preacher to preach against tattoos. I'm going to try to be a poet on Christians. How many of you know that's now becoming something you're not supposed to touch? It's becoming, you know, that's legalism. If you preach that Christians shouldn't get tattoos, you can glorify God through your tattoo, you know. Even though the law is there to reveal sin, and God told his people, don't mark your bodies. The New Testament's the temple of the Holy Ghost. Tattoos have always been and always will be a mark of heathenism and hedonism. And there's enough Bible to prove that that's sin. You're, you are partaking with evil deeds when you do that. You're identifying with a wicked crowd, but it's becoming, don't preach that. In fact, there are groups today that would say, to unify, all you need to do is preach that Jesus saves. Anything outside of that about counsel, about godly living, really you're stepping too far. And so if I feel as a preacher, you in the pew have to feel it among people you know that claim to be Christians. I'm going to tell you something, though. When people who have the truth won't speak the truth, we become part of the lie that's being promoted. We're around a crowd today that misrepresents and misteaches and falsely applies the grace of God. Somebody's got to speak the truth. You have brethren, you have people you love that are saved, that have believed lies about what it means to be saved and live for God. Somebody needs to speak the truth into their life. That's our job. The preacher, that's your job. My job is to preach here, go do it there, and help equip you so you can do it where you are. We are to speak every man truth with his neighbor. And if we are muffling truth, counsel of God, that's not God's will for us. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with, with, with his neighbor. And so then, uh, there must be a prohibition. We must have a conviction against lying, but there must be a proclamation of the truth in our own hearts to fellow saints. That's what Paul was saying in Acts chapter 20. I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. And I'm not talking about being... Here's what we're often prone to do. We're very free with our opinions. But how about when it's time to say, but thus saith the Lord? Someone says, well, I think this about this issue. I think this about this issue. And we know good and well what God says about that issue. And we say, but I ain't going to say it. I don't want to be in the hot seat. No, 
We need to speak the truth. And we need to speak it how? If I'm speaking the truth in pride, that's wrong. Well, I'm going to speak the truth because I know it. No, that's sinful. I need to speak the truth because truth is what benefits our fellow believers. They may be out of sorts with the Lord, out of fellowship with the Lord, may be ignorant, young in the Lord. It's truth that grows Christians. I'm getting a little ahead of myself. So we must proclaim the truth to ourselves, truth to fellow saints. We need to proclaim the truth to sinners. They need to hear the gospel. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It is our job not only to not lie to the unbelievers and convince them they're okay. It's our job to speak the truth to them, to be God's tool to convince them of their need of a Savior and to convince them that Christ is that Savior. We must speak the truth. Uh, Acts chapter 26, verse 25, Paul is speaking to Agrippa. And Agrippa says to Paul, you're mad. You're done. You're, you're out of your mind. Uh, it says in verse 25, excuse me, it's Festus. He says, uh, Festus says to Paul in verse 24 of Acts 26, And as he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. But he said, I'm not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. How many of you enjoy having someone in high authority tell you you're a nut? You're crazy. How many of us like anybody telling us we're crazy? And I'm trying to paint very clearly the tension and the pressure there is to not speak the truth. I believe Paul knew when I preached the gospel, he's not going to say, oh, I'm a wicked sinner, I need a savior. Festus' response is, you're mad, you're crazy, man. Paul says, I'm not crazy, I'm just telling the truth. And you know what? I think sometimes out of not wanting to be called names, out of not wanting to be ridiculed, we may not be telling lies, but may I say this, I believe this, if we don't replace lying with truth-telling, we'll soon replace truth-telling with lying. Uh, If we won't stand for the truth, pretty soon we'll be opposing it by deceit. And so we must have a proclamation of the truth in our own hearts, to fellow saints, and to sinners. Thirdly, if we have a prohibition against lying and a proclamation of truth, and our lips are given to the truth, and our tongues to the truth, there will be great profit in speaking the truth. Go, if you would, now to the book of Proverbs, and we'll almost completely finish here. Proverbs, we're about done. Chapter 12. The book of Proverbs has much to say about truth. Wisdom says that only uh, that would the words of truth be in her mouth. So any reasoning that includes deceit ceases to be wisdom and becomes folly. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 22. Uh, We read this, of course, last week. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. And that could be where our focus remains. But that was last week's focus. What's the rest of the verse say? But they that deal truly are his delight. Now, what can happen if we only focus on how men respond to us? We're going to be very tempted to lie or to withhold the truth. But if we get focused on, you know what, I want God to to be pleased with me. Not because I want to go to heaven. I know I'm going. My sins are forgiven. I'm saved. I want him, though, to be delighted with me. God takes great pleasure in people to say, I'm going to be like the Lord and only tell the truth. I'm not going to engage in lying. They that deal truly are what? His delight. I don't know about you. I'd like to be a delight to God. God to say, I am so pleased with your life. Well, then we need to deal truly. Number two, not only will there be the delight of God 
There's a demonstration of righteousness. Again, that's why we use Matthew 5.16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. One of those good works is being truthful. Proverbs 12.17. He that speaketh truth showeth forth righteousness, but a false witness deceit. You see, sin is always based on deceit and righteousness is always based on the truth. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. So when we speak truth, it's how we show forth righteousness. It's the truth that shows forth the righteousness of God. It's the truth that shows the righteousness of the gospel. It's the truth that shows forth the righteousness of holy living and Christian lives. We need to speak the truth so that the, the gospel will be vindicated, God will be glorified. Righteousness is demonstrated through people telling the truth. So the delight of God, demonstration of righteousness, deliverance of lost souls. Proverbs 14.25 person is not going to get saved without hearing the truth. The Bible says a true witness, someone who will tell the truth uh, under uh, with the opportunity, delivereth souls, but a deceitful witness speaketh lies. A true witness delivereth souls. Jesus told the disciples that they were witnesses of his resurrection, the apostles, and we are witnesses of his saving grace. If you know today that God has saved your soul, forgiven you, somebody needs to know that. If you know today the ways of God, and we're witnesses of the truth of God, a true witness delivereth souls. The way we see souls delivered from condemnation and judgment is by simply telling the truth. Number four, not only does it bring the delight of God, demonstration of righteousness, deliverance of souls, the development of saints. The Bible says, speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things. Our Christian life grows on the truth. It's how our decisions of faith are informed by the truth of God's word. So the delight of God, demonstration of righteousness. And by the way, uh, truth is, the Bible is 100% true. There are practical truths every day, though, that it may not be a Bible verse. It may be some question about our conduct or our thoughts or our desires. We have to speak the truth to God if we're going to go forward and then accept the truth He speaks to us. And so the development of saints is through the speaking of truth. And by the way, one of the reasons we assemble, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, but exhorting one another. You know what exhorting takes? Speaking. Speaking. We must tell one another the truth. We sing truth to each other, but you know what? We fellowship with each other. We interact with each other. We're to be speaking the truth and exhorting one another. We find another Christian. They're taking a direction in life. We should love enough to speak the truth to them. Uh, maybe the Bible says, warn the unruly. You know what that takes? Speaking. Speaking. Uh, comfort the feeble-minded. You know what that takes? Speech. God intends us to use our mouths uh, to speak the truth, and that's how we strengthen the saints. Finally, when we speak the truth, the truth that we speak is a durable resource, and by that means truth is eternal. Time does nothing but vindicate the truth. So when you see somebody starting to believe things that are not true, and I've watched this, I've lived long enough now, I'm not an old man, but I've lived long enough to see this happen. Someone starts believing ideas that are not consistent with the Bible. I'm talking about people who have a testimony of salvation. They start believing certain things are acceptable that if you look at the Word of God, it's very clear it's not acceptable with God. And immediately it can seem like they've believed and taken a path that's contrary to the will of God and it's working well for them. I have one, I have a number of people in my mind that I watch them start varying in their ideologies from the Bible and then justifying that. Grab a verse here and a verse there to justify it. 
And next thing you know, their life seems to be going well. And you go, well, I thought the truth was that that was not something pleasing to God, but they went ahead and did it and it seems to be working out for them. Time. Time. Ten years after that shift in their thinking, their lives have imploded. Marriage ruined. Engaging in things they would have never dreamed of. Defending and promoting things that God clearly calls sin. They didn't start that way. They just started varying from the truth. And at the time, there were those that tried to call them into the truth and say, you're, you're separating from what's true. You're believing things are right that are wrong and wrong that are right. And in what they would do, they'd mock that, rebuff that. And the people that were trying to warn them were made to look you know, unkind and judgmental and all those things. But time. My dad always says this, time is the greatest tattler. Because time always vindicates truth. You know why? Truth is eternal. And so then let's look at this very quickly. Proverbs 12, 19. Obviously, Proverbs 12 has a lot to say about the truth. Proverbs 12, verse 19. The Bible says, The lip of truth shall be established forever. Forever. The lip of truth shall be established forever. But a lying tongue is but for a moment. The lip of truth. You know what? False teachers, uh, the French philosopher Voltaire said that the Bible was not true and that within a generation, I forget the time frame he gave, that the Bible would be a forgotten book, would be extinct. How many of you can give me one quote from the French philosopher Voltaire? I can't even get his quote right about the Bible. (laughs) I just know he said the Bible and people that believe it, it would be an archaic idea and would be off the scene within, within a generation of his passing or something along those lines. Any other quotes from Voltaire? Now, later his house was purchased by a Bible publishing company and they used it for that purpose. And as you well know, here we are hundreds of years later still believing the Bible and we don't even know what he had to say. A lying tongue is but for a moment. You know what? Charles Darwin put forward some ideas. Most of his ideas are by science itself disprovable, let alone by the Word of God. And there'll be a day if Jesus doesn't return, people won't even know what we're talking about or what he believed because a lying tongue is but for a moment. But truth, the lip of truth, will be established forever. And so when we give our lips to telling the truth, we are by that laying up treasure in heaven. Truth is eternal. So tonight, I told you a simple message, but we need not miss its implication. This kind of a message should lead us some, to, to some decisions about how we'll steward our tongues and what comes from them. Number one, we must have a prohibition of lying. Wherefore, putting away lying, there must be a proclamation of the truth. Speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. We've got to care enough about other people to make sure what they're hearing from us is truth. And that includes not withholding truth. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. And then finally, when we do speak the truth, there's great profit in being someone who gives your... It's worth whatever... Whatever it costs you now to be someone who's loyal to the truth, it's worth it because the truth you speak will have eternal value. Be loyal to the truth. Be loyal to the truth. Let's be people that can be counted on to speak the truth. It brings delight to God. It demonstrates righteousness, delivers souls, develops fellow Christians, and it's a durable resource. Mm -hmm.